Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. And we are back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you for tuning in once again. I love you guys. Your support is just overwhelmingly beautiful to me. And the gratitude I have for you is just uh, so much. And uh, we're helping so many people with all this. And that's the beautiful thing about this. People ask me all the time, why is this successful? Because I don't make it about me. I make it about the people that come on, some amazing people. And today we're joined with a very special guest. You guys, most of you have heard him uh, know this. When I say this name, you'll know who he is, Big Buddha. <laughs> so T, how you doing, brother? Oh, so good to have you. Seriously, this is no, like an thank honor. you. I I'm leading. You're leading by example, and I always. This is something that I've always done as a kid: is don't don't act like you know. Just because you've seen it and, and being being uh, happening in front of you doesn't mean you can actually do it. You doing it. You're the expert. I mm. you know I I. Yeah. It's kind of like a. Oh, it's kind of like uh, being in a motorcycle club. I haven't been in one, but all the movies and the TV shows that I've <laughs> yeah, seen, yeah. when you get into a new town, you got to check in with them. So this is your space. I'm checking in with you. I know you're helping a lot of people, but I need help to figure out how to how to navigate this space. You've been doing it. So yeah, so kudos you. to you. Thank you so much for doing all the good work you're doing, bro. Uh, Seriously. Pre- appreciate that so much. Um, let me give a shout out to our sponsors really quick. Uh, Wasatch Recovery, Siegfried & Jensen, Thread Wallets. Uh, living uh, recovery interventions and Mountain West Spine and Orthopedics and Veracity Networks. Thank you so much for uh, believing in me and helping me get this uh, out to many, many hundreds of thousands of people now, which is, you know, again, mind blowing. A um, little background on Big Buddha. Uh, he's appeared. He's appeared in some featured movies like uh, the RM and Forever Strong. Forever Strong is one of my favorite movies. I love that show. It's that's a crazy movie because uh, here locally, the 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 Real Society ladies like to come up to me and like, you know, my favorite scene, and they do this, and I'm like, sister, you know, we're in a church right now, <laughs> yeah, right? right? And like, oh, stop it! I'm like, no, no, seriously, we're in a church. <laughs> we're in a church. Please don't do that. Yeah, yeah. You have to watch the movie. You understand what yeah. I'm talking about. Anyway, sorry. Well, you've opened up as a stand-up comedian. I didn't know too much about that. That's interesting, right? Yep. Uh, Wise Guys, a good friend of mine, uh, Keith Stubbs, he's the owner of Wise Guys. So uh, somebody couldn't make it. He said, hey, would you mind? I'm like, I've never been a stand-up. So he helped me formulate some jokes. And so checked it off the bucket list. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. You know, know, you've been up there with some, you know, Bill Bellamy, Tracy Morgan. I mean, some big names. That's that's really cool. Um, but, But most of you will know him. He's become part of Utah's media landscape for the past 20 years. And really what I love about you is just your energy. Your positivity, you know the stuff. You just really bring an energy that most people just love and fall in love with. Too kind, thank you, T. It's Appreciate true. it, brother. Yeah, thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. You're current serving as executive director for your nonprofit, Beautiful Mind Foundation, which we're going to talk more about. I can't wait for the, our listeners to hear this, and sharing your story of survival and a message of prevention and self love and care. And so, yeah, just, I mean, there's so much more we can talk about, but why don't we just get right to it and tell us a little bit about your upbringing. So um, my parents, uh, my dad was the first person to uh, migrate from from Samoa. His my my grandparents were the first non-whites to live in uh, Compton, California. It was a suburb. Oh, it was it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> right, lights worked. I mean, we we that's that's what I've been told. Uh, I don't. I'm, I was very young. And couldn't really remember what things were, but my grandparents wrote down in journals, and my uncles and aunts, uh, they were one of the first non-white families that moved into Compton uh, before it became an inner city, um, okay. and and before drugs and gangs, you know, took over the city. Yeah. So, I was born in San Bruno, uh, in the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco, about. I want to say maybe two, somewhere, somewhere between two to four months, my parents moved to Southern California to oh, be okay. with my dad's parents because they were moving from California. So um, I'm, I'm jumping through a, a lot here, but my dad was a military guy. He served in the military, Vietnam era, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I believe dad was uh, training to be a, uh, a helicopter mechanic. Um, 
and later on he worked there for Japan Airlines, you know, uh, so I had pictures being on the tarmac, uh, being in those big helicopters oh, yeah. next okay. to my, those were the days where you could do stuff oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Were, yeah. Oh, people are like, what? You can't be, a, yeah, no, you can't do that now. Yeah. No. You get but, arrested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if, if you worked on the tarmac, if you worked in the airport, you could bring your kid. Man, I mean, yeah. I have pictures sitting on these big old helicopters, just a, just a little kid sitting on the edge. I, I look like I'm, I'm cold. I'm just shivering. Uh, but my dad worked for Japanese airline, Japan Airlines. Uh, he was a mechanic. Um, we were living in Compton, California. My dad, uh, you know, we, we were we were poor, product of the system, mm -hmm. welfare, uh, food stamps. Oh, really? Wow. I, I don't know if anybody else knows. Well, well, probably my age and a little bit older. The uh, five pound blocks of cheese, uh, the government issued cheese. Oh, yeah, those yeah. were. And that was they, a real thing. Yeah, it was yes. a real thing. You, it, it was always square at the top, but it curved at the bottom because you could never cut straight, cut straight as a kid. Yeah, yeah so it was <laughs> like cutting a, you know, yeah. a C into yeah. the, into the cheese. Uh, Dad was a was a career student. He was trying to. He was in that belief. Uh, education is it. I got to get education yeah. so I can get a better job. So he was wearing, you know, uh, very poor jobs, but trying to put himself through school. Yeah. Um, dad en ended up graduating. My mom was a, a, a caretaker. She was at home. She taught a lot of us. We weren't home taught. We weren't homeschooled. But mom did a lot of the schooling. So when we went to school, we were we were really really prepared. I, I remember mom drilling ABCs, one two three times yeah. tables. I mean, we read books. We read books when we didn't want to read books. Right. Uh, I. So I I was a dumbass. I was a smartass. Uh, so my mom says, go read a book. So I heard girls in my class. This I'm in sixth grade. I'm in sixth grade. So I, as a form of rebellion, go and get this book that I heard girls talking about. Dear God, it's me, Margaret. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That That's not a book for boys. I'm just saying. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go read this girly book, and I'm going to show you, Mom. You right. want me to read books? And I was like. Oh my gosh! I should have not read that book. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I learned about stuff about girls, and I I matured really fast. Really fast after that book. Did you would, you, would you get in trouble for reading it? Or <laughs> no, uh, I didn't tell my mom. I, oh, read yeah, it. Like, no. I said no. I'm not gonna compound my troubles <laughs> with an ass whooping. That's not right. gonna happen. <laughs> no, no, no. I said what? But I couldn't put the book down. Yeah. So for me, it was riveting at the time. It was yeah. a time. Remember, I'm I'm a Pacific Islander who's LDS and. I mean, I had to like under the covers like this. I felt like yeah. I was watching a dirty magazine. Yeah, right. it wasn't right. It was about the life changing, sure. becoming, um, becoming an adult. Yeah. You know, puberty. Right, sure. But I was, I was reading like, oh my gosh, this yeah. stuff is really good. Should I be reading? No wonder the girls are gossiping at school about this stuff. Oh my gosh, it's really great. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I never told mom that I read that. Sorry, mom, if you ever listen to this, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, mom, we're sorry. <laughs> I, I I had to also read a uh, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> yes. So that I can balance it. <laughs> yeah, I got this one now. Okay, I got to balance out my mind. Yeah. Wow. So education was a big thing. It, it was huge. Um, yeah. I I was a talented athlete. I had um, you know, my physicality. I I had those yes. those. But my mom and dad, they would say things in Psalm one, and I'm translating now in English. Are you going to eat the ball? Huh? Will you get full off of a ball? Is that game going to mm -hmm. put food on your table? They really didn't yeah. flip uh, that that mentality of you could get a scholarship from a sports from X. That that didn't really sink didn't into my parents them, yeah. until later. Okay. It was education. It was you know get a high GPA so you can get a better job. That was that was what my mom and dad preached every yeah, day. Right. And then and then you compound it with being LDS. You know. Uh, intelligence, the fear of God is intelligence. Everything you you get here, you'll you'll have a better standing we'll in the. So it was it was yeah. all these things. So, I mean, my parents were Mormon hardcore, right? <laughs> right? But but as a kid, you saw that they weren't perfect, you know. Right. <laughs> so yeah. so those things didn't really click until later on. Like, wait, they I'm aspiring to be this because that's what my parents told me to do, and that's what what I see them doing. But Every so often, I see them. They're not the perfect. Yeah, they're struggling. They're they're they're, they're yeah. human. They're human. But they exactly. don't tell us they're human. Yeah. So so I think that kind of part along the way kind of messed me up. You yeah. know, hide it. You know, have this uh, great facade. Let everybody see the good you, but but hide the bad stuff at home. Yeah. Th that's that's what I I, I grew up with, and, and I kind of took Which, as my playbook. 
Yeah, which plays a lot of uh, negative emotions yeah. on your mental health. Yeah, right behind the scenes. But yeah, you're kind of burying those stuff. And, right. So, so, yeah. so that's kind of a basis of how my life was. Uh, on top of that, then the discipline. So, so that's how my life was. Everything was church. This church that God can see you don't. I, I didn't have a chance. I couldn't really explore myself. You, you know how uh, yeah. typical kids will say. I gotta go find myself. Yeah, where am I? What's my identity? Yeah, I, me, and my siblings, and I think a lot of LDS, a lot of Mormon kids, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints kids, probably felt that way. We didn't, get, we weren't really given an option to explore. Yeah, you know, whether it was sexuality, whether it was drugs, whether it was, we weren't allowed to explore. We were told it's not good. Yeah, don't do it. Yep. We had, and and when we did explore, we had to do it secretly under the covers and not, yeah. you know. So so it's it's almost it's not a running joke, but it's it's a comical thing among boys in the Pacific Islander culture who are LDS that oh well, we were out last night late last night and now you're blessing the sacrament wow yeah. so so it, among between us peers we knew what was up yeah. but the adults. I'm sure they knew, but they had like, well, who else is gonna do it? If we if we cancel out all these guys, who's gonna? I I yeah. don't know if that ever hit them, yeah. or if they didn't want to believe it that they they knew what we were doing the night before, right? Right. But then the next day, it was like they see us at the, blessing the sacrament. Like, wait, nobody want to check us? <laughs> you come on, Uncle. Yeah. You know, Uncle. Come on. Right. I mean, it was. And so it was almost like we got away with stuff, but but we didn't get away with stuff because yeah. they beat the crap out of us. Yeah, I can only speak for my household, and I just assume that this is how things were everywhere. I mean, it could be spilling water, and my dad would fly off the handle. Right. Uh, whether it was a, a verbal abuse, mm-hmm. you know, you're an idiot, you're dumb, this and that, and and or it would be a slap, and it, yeah. it was it just never matched. Apologies, that's me. No, that's all right. You're good. No, you're good. I thought I was, I was wondering oh, if I gee, left mine on. Darn it, guests. What's wrong with you guests? <laughs> Come on. You, you, you know you're not supposed to have your phone on. What the heck? Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're good. You're fine. Okay. Just don't forget that. No, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apologies for that. So, so my, my dad was a, he took that whole thing with, uh, you know, uh Bear the rod, spoil the child. Yeah, is that kind of for people who don't maybe understand? Is that part of the culture I, I that you s- grew up in? Is, is kind of like that's it's a great pretty question. Common. I I, th- I know, and I'm sure people who have Polynesian friends hear this all the time. They were hit a lot, or they beat. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's the culture. I I, I want to say maybe we have adopted it to be culture, but I know that it stems from Christianity. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the Pacific Islanders, at least at least my family, they want to be. They want to be obedient. Right. They want to follow, and and if you and if you believe that if you follow these set of rules and it's going to get you to heaven, well, I gosh darn it, I want to make sure my kids are following. Yeah, they better be. They doing better. It. They be, yeah. I, I don't know really. It, it's I would be, I would be doing a disservice if I came out and I gave you an, an exact answer. Sure. The the uh, the real reason I don't know. Okay. I can only tell you again from my family, my dad. He he was abused as a kid he was beat up every day of his life as a to a bloody pulp but and and, and the way to deal with things that's how he dealt with things they, they had only one playbook right so that playbook got passed on to me and i have five children and my two older children were were able to experience that you know the the mean discipline you know what, what i mean authoritative i mean yelling all of that yeah. i was i was not i was not good to my first two kids you know we have five well you kind of mirrored what you grew I, up with mir- right yeah and, and again please i'm not making any excuse for my actions i just didn't know any better sure, I mean, sure. and let's let's just remember we i grew up in a time where people could discipline me strangers were able to discipline me yeah. i don't i don't think if people remember this I would be walking around in a store with my mom and dad. I'd reach out and grab a, a candy bar, and my mom and dad would say no. Right? I'm, I'm a kid. I, I'd put yeah. it back, but I'd go right back behind their back and grab it. An old lady or an older gentleman, would say, yeah. hey, didn't your mom and dad just tell you not to? And my mom and dad were okay with that. They're like, yeah, yeah didn't I just? T-? Yeah. And then they team up on me, <laughs> and I was like, 
lady, you don't even know me. Right. I'm not even your kid. <laughs> and I'm like, I tell my mom and dad, dad, you're going to let this lady. Yeah. No, she's right. What's right is right. Yeah. I remember that anywhere I went. This is I'm talking about this is Southern California, guys. This is yeah. 1970, 78. I'm eight years old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, but I didn't remember when the break off happened when it was right. when it was not okay. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't remember it was a disconnect. I remember one day a stranger could tell me what to do and, and tell me, hey, you're being a bad boy to your parents, to you can't talk to my kid like that. What? Yeah. What is that? I'm just trying to help out. Yeah, I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, things have changed. It's interesting. Huh? And, and so I and the kids today, they don't know what that's like to yeah. be disciplined everywhere and everywhere. anywhere by anyone. Yeah. Whether you were a cop, whether you were a church person. A teacher. A, it didn't yeah. matter. Yeah. If you were older, you could tell a kid what to do. Yep. Nowadays, kids are like, got my phone out. I dare you to tell me what to do. I'm recording you right now, sir. Go ahead. Yeah. I, so I didn't know where that happened. There was a disconnect, and I was trying to find my way, yeah. helping kids out. And I would say, hey, bro, you can't do that. Shut the hell up. You can't talk to me like that. You're not my dad. You're not even my uncle. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. I And then I I don't feel safe. Hey, this guy's – I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm just – right? I, I didn't know where that happened. I didn't know what happened yeah. to the world. Yeah. And we went from caring about everybody to – no, no, no. This is this is my kid. Yeah. You leave them alone. Yeah. It kind of confused me a little bit. For sure. I, I don't know if anybody else went through that. So how many children do you have total? Five. Five. And you said the first two you struggled with. I, what what caused the change when you, you divorce? Okay. <laughs> Threat of divorce. Threat of divorce. Uh, okay. You know, it's it's <laughs> I mean, like hey, you're just self-preservation. Yeah. My wife yeah. said, "Hey, you need to get some help." Yeah. I love you, and and we we have a great family, but this thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. I can't do it. I got to protect the kids. And for I thought maybe you were going to work your way out of it. Yeah. And she understood that I didn't have any other playbook, right? But this was her way of helping me fix me. So uh, I went and got counseling, still still doing counseling. I, I don't think – I think once you get counseling, there's no – how do you live your life without it? I don't yeah. understand that part. It's good. It's just a good barometer. Yeah. Keeps you in line. Keeps you where you yeah. need to be going. And if anything, yeah. it serves as a good sounding board, right? Yeah, to to sure. somebody, I mean, it's like going to the gym. You and it, stay yeah. Consistent. And it's not like it's not like I'm saying I'm pulling on my family. I'm not saying that. I said it. I never talked to you about it before. I said talking to you about it now. It's new. I will get there. Yeah. But you gotta let me find my own yeah. way because it's still yep. it's still new to me. I mm-hmm. I don't even understand it. Yeah. And I don't know if talking to you guys is going to help me, maybe in the long run, but but right now I need to talk to the therapist. And I feel like I can open up. I don't know if I can open up with you guys. This is I'm telling my family this, right? I don't know if I can open up with you, my family, because you know me. Yeah. And, and so I feel like maybe there's still that little hesitancy. Yes. Because I don't trust myself yeah. to be fully implicitly honest yeah. with, with with you my family does yeah. that make sense oh absolutely and, and and correct me if i'm wrong in your culture your your family means everything yeah i mean family is a big like it's your number one importance and you guys bring everyone in you guys love everyone T, i just turned right? 52 my mom still calls me every saturday if i'm gonna go to church <laughs> T, it is I wish I wish I were making this is not comic I'm serious these wow. are stories bro yeah like okay. like when when so that's the best that's the best way I can illustrate yeah. how f- my mom She's, you can ask any Pacific Islander she will never not have a say in my life or my dad if my dad were alive uh, my dad passed in 03 but and my uncles and aunties, I and I don't know if it's like this with any other cultures I haven't really done my due mm-hmm. diligence and done any research but until the day my mom is no longer breathing, she, she, I, she will be able to tell me what to do. I just, yeah. it's just the way it is. So she calls you on Saturday and says, "Hey, are yeah. you going to church tomorrow?" Yeah, mom. Yes, and I always push back and I say, "Mom, you know I'm 52." This <laughs> yes, this past Saturday, this past Saturday, uh, July 3rd, right, son. How are you? It always starts out, how are the kids? How are the grandkids? I saw you were over there, this and that. What are you doing? Okay, are you going to church? <laughs> Mom, you know, I'm 52 years old. I'm going to, you always ask me, I'm your mother. I'm yeah. never going to stop being your mother. If we die, if I die, 
will I stop being your mother? No, mom, you'll yeah. still be. Okay, yeah. so why should I stop doing my job? Yeah. I'm like, this lady, yeah. Why you, you trying to make me cry, mom? Do you to make me cry? Do you dare ever mess with her and say, no, I'm not going? Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sometimes okay. I say, well, some, no, I'll be honest with her. Like, sure. you know, football season comes around. Hey, guys, come on. I'm not a monster. I, I don't go to church sometimes for football season, okay? Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> so my mom will call me, and if it's doing football season, I'll be honest. Are yeah. you going to, to church today? No, Mom, the Raiders are playing an early game, so I'm going to stay home and watch the game. Uh, Jen will catch me up. What? You want me to come over there and slap your face? <laughs> I don't care how old you are. I'll slap your face, Mom. Okay, I'll repent next Sunday. You know, I, yeah. I'm, st- I'm an adult, and yeah, I'm a grown-ass sure. man, but but I that's my mother. I'm yeah. not going to tell her to shut up. Right, it? for sure. But yeah. I will still tell yeah. I'm not going to lie to her. I'm going to church. And then she sees pictures of me posting, hey, look at first game of the season. Hey. <laughs> Cause she follows oh, me, she'll kill, she'll call me out on it. T. Yeah, social media, you you can't hide yeah. anymore, right? So so yeah, you can't hide anymore. But yeah. but family's important. Yeah. Uh, in in poly- every culture, family's important. Sure. I, I think we're a little uh, nutso, if you will, when we take our family ties a little bit far far yeah. uh, than most people. Yeah. But but she she will always have a say. Yeah. Um, my dad was a very heavy handed man. Um, you know, he held. Um, some pretty um, astute positions for the church. He was a 70 back when 70s were uh, not considered general authorities. Okay. But um, so, so my 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 past with the church has been uh, not just a member, but my dad was a 70. So in the early days in the 70s, right up until 78, I can remember uh, my, my uncle is Joseph Freeman, uh, he's the first uh, African American to receive the Melchizedek priesthood uh, in oh, the seventy. Really? He was the first oh, one. Wow. Yeah. So he, they live in Utah. You know, he's, he's active. You know that okay. kind of stuff. But but I remember uh, going with my family and my dad uh, in South Central LA, and we would set up uh, Sunday schools in uh, black neighborhoods. That was our job. So we were trying to spread the gospel to yeah. our African American brothers, and we were also the family who were trying to show not trying. We were uh, the examples of how to facilitate for, you know, so for example, you know, I was the reverend child or my sister was the reverend child up front on the, uh, in front of the, the congregation. Just so that what, what that was is that you got to go up and you folded your arms and you just were reminding people, Hey, we're at church. Yeah. So instead of the spiritual leader getting up and say, Hey, can we keep it quiet? And this and that yeah. they would send a youth kid, uh, to stand in front of the congregation and just stand there with their arms folded. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was the <laughs> reverent child. Okay. So they did that often in a Mormon, uh, congregations. Okay. So a lot of the times we were that, uh, just standing up front with our arms folded, just, just smiling and just being quiet. And yeah. eventually the, the congregation were like, Oh, we're people to get the quiet. message. Yeah. 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 So that's, yeah. that's something that we did, but, but we, we're also how to facilitate, you know, like uh, family home evenings. Those were a month, once once a, a week, Mondays, you got together. And so we were going around showing them you start with a prayer. You start with a song. Uh, you throw in a riddle. It's supposed to be fun. You talk. You know, we were helping facilitate yeah. teaching families how, uh, if you're going to join the church, these are how the things were done if you're going to be a Latter-day Saint or a Mormon. Yeah. So, again, my, my mental health comes in here here my parents are you know they're um trying to do this good and aspire to do good and i saw glimpses of not not a chink in the armor but the human side of them yeah. the side that they never told us that we could have you know i i just assumed we were just supposed to be spiritual 100 uh not knowing that you know human it's okay to be human it's, it's okay, it's to, okay to make mistakes it, yes. it's okay to be real yeah yeah well, then, you know, you by telling your mom, I'm watching the game today. That's just you being real. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I'm not going. Yeah, and it but, took me a long time yeah. to get to that, T. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of Pacific Islanders. I'm Actually, a lot of people who love their moms, they're, they're, they're probably the same way. Yeah. I, I don't I don't always say that it's a Pacific Islander thing. Loving your mom is not a poly sure. thing. You know, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the, the love that we have as sons for our mothers, yeah. it's that thing is a real thing, man. It is. That is a real, real thing. I don't know what it is, but I remember being in grade school, and I'm sure you remember this. You can talk about anything. You say one thing about my mother, and we're going to fight. Oh, yeah. But every those are kid. fighting words. Every yeah. kid, yeah. right? Yeah, so, every kid wants to protect their mom. Yeah, so I... I'll tell this. I'll tell this story because it's a true yeah, story, yeah, so that you understand where my my mindset yeah, was. Yeah, please do. 
um, I couldn't. It's it's in the seventies. We're we're in California. We're we're living. My dad. I went home. One of my jobs was to go get the mail. So I'd grab the mail one one afternoon. I grab the mail and I open it up. Uh, there's a Playboy magazine. It's a subscription. Uh, it has my dad's name on it. In my mind, I'm thinking it's my older brother Larry. You know what a horrible horrible thing. Yeah. I went right to that. This dude. Put a put a, put a subscription in my dad's name just so he can get a. I can't wait to tell my dad. Yeah. So I walk into the room and I give my dad the mail. I said, "Dad, you're not gonna believe what Larry did. He, he got a subscription of Playboy in your name. He opens it up. He goes, come here. Gets me, spanks me. So how many times I told you never touch the mail? Don't open the mail. Just bring the mail. Don't look at it. Just bring the mail. That's it. So not thinking anything." I know, I know you're you're connecting it. We're connecting it now because we're adults, right? Sure. I'm a kid. But as a kid I don't, you're not I'm like, out. I can't yeah. believe it. I just, I just, he doesn't even want his son, who did the subscription, his name to get beat. He beat me up. What did What did I do? Man, that's messed up. Was it till years later? I'm I'm like I'm like sitting in church or something, and I'm like having I don't know <laughs> pity party or something. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I remember that time. <gasps> Like my world just blows up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? T. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. oh my gosh, yeah, holy shiz, oh my gosh, ah, like I'm freaking out. Yeah. And I thought, and at that moment, I thought everybody thought the same thing I did and knew that guy was looking at beauty magazines. I just, it just freaked me out. Yeah, sure. I, I, I didn't, th- I didn't think that my dad, yeah, would do that. You know. Yeah. And I'm not trying to tarnish his. I know people because sure. he, he did a lot of good. I know in, in the Pacific Islander community, he was a man of. I'm not. I'm not trying to poo poo on him. I'm just sure. saying sure. he was a human, right? Yes. And I didn't realize that yeah. until later. Yeah. Even though it happened in my front of my eyes. Yep. I didn't you, put two and two together. Didn't I, put it together. No. Yeah. And I, I think at first, I, I was I was upset at my dad, and then I was like, ah, I started laughing. I just I just had this big ass chuckle. I was just laughing yeah. my butt off. Like, yeah. okay, I'm taking this thing way too. I'm okay. I'm taking this thing way too serious. Okay, he was a man. He had urges. Right. Okay. It, it's it's a human thing. Just because exactly. you're a man of God doesn't mean you you don't look at you, you still know, don't struggle. National Geographic, right? right? You don't yeah. you don't look at. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, National Geographic. What? Sorry. <laughs> I, I just revealed a little bit about myself. Sorry. Probably <laughs> from the seventies and eighties, guys. Sorry. Sorry, Compton, California. Sorry, my bad. But <laughs> but you know those are the things I was struggling with, and I didn't yeah. I didn't really know how to take it yeah. because I wasn't taught to show emotions. Well, you know when uh, with a lot of my clients, I'll meet with kids and they're struggling with something, right? Something big, and they'll share some really big things with me, and I'll ask them, "Have you shared this with your parents?" And you know what they'll tell me? My parents have done nothing wrong. They won't understand. They won't even get it. And I'm like, well, no, your parents have done things wrong. They just haven't told you. And and I think that's what happens is we think our parents are these perfect people who never did anything wrong. And then we're screwing up going, crap, there's no way I could tell them that. Yeah. And then later in life, when we become adults, we start to realize, oh, yeah, they weren't. They perfect. weren't perfect. They're human. And so that's a good message yeah. you're sharing there. But but don't you think, and I, I don't know about, about you and your, and your journey, bro, but for me, if I'm looking back, I think in myself – it might have helped me. It might have helped me a little bit to know, hey, I'm human. I, I'm not perfect. No. And my, my, my mom and dad never no, told me that they were would. perfect, but the mm-hmm. way they moved, right? Yes. They were on time to church. We can't miss church. And we, I mean, we have to go to the activity. It's a, it's a church softball game. It's a church picnic. It was like our lives depended on being active yeah. in those activities yeah you know and, and that can cause a lot of angst just in that and anxiety and all that stuff i'll give you an example so my youngest daughter all my kids were really good in school but my youngest daughter you know she was getting four o's four o's and she was really into making sure she got a four o and mm-hmm. i told her i go i can't wait till you get an a minus she goes what do you mean i go i'm gonna take you to dinner when you get an a minus she's like what i don't want to get an a minus i go i know but you need to get one anyway she's like Anyway, gets an A minus because she's thinking that's not going to be as good. I'm like, no. Did you do your best? Yeah, great. A minus. Let's go to dinner. Oh, that kind of thing. And so that's really ultimately what your your point is. Is yeah. You know, 
do our best, but it's okay to maybe be late to church every now and then. No, it's so funny that you right? just brought that up because <laughs> in the in the Polynesian okay, so this is something that is I just noticed it because I'm a Pacific Islander, but maybe it, it, it exists in other cultures too, mm-hmm. is that thing that you have to be perfect. That yeah. you can't really reveal to your parents what you're going through. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How's homework? You know, you just show Fine. them the bare minimum. Yeah. Right? You just show Surface them that you stuff. are doing yeah. what they're doing. But but really, you're going through it. Yeah. You're just like 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 you said, like like that that thing. I gotta that's crazy. That I yeah. just oh my gosh. Yeah. We're always even to this day, Pacific Islanders are still trying to impress their parents. Yeah. We're trying to make sure we're doing everything right and this and that, which is, which is not a good. It's just not good. Yeah. And to 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 bury those real true feelings down, you know, as real as we're saying we should be. Hey, I'm not going to church yeah. today because I'm watching the game. How you doing today? To be honest, not too good. Let me tell you why. Yeah. Here's where I'm struggling. But see, you just you, you know? just pointed out something that that doesn't usually happen until we become adults, Until right? Later. So again, imagine if if. Okay, now that we are adults, we need to change that, right? We exactly. need to make sure that it's happening now instead of absolutely realizing it as an adult. I wish my parents, right? Mm-hmm. So, thankfully, my wife put her foot down and said, "I'm yeah. not, I'm not going to have any of this. You need to get help, and we love you. You need to get better." Yeah. And it really took that first step wow. to to go and have a conversation. Yeah. And I told you this before we started. Yeah. I had no idea they're actually talking to somebody. Because again, remember, I had this stigma that going talking to somebody one on one is not a good thing. Again, my church upbringing, I was always afraid of going to talk, you know, the bishop or whoever yeah. it was because I had this one on one closed things, the doors, and it was always a person who was unrelated to. It was yeah. it was either my uncle or maybe it was yeah. my aunt or it it was a cousin, my dad. I always had a relative in a. Uh, superior place of spirituality yeah. I, I, how do i do that how do, how do i how do i describe that authoritative authoritative role. authoritative yeah. role yeah and i just felt like i never got away right so i would reveal these things thinking they would stay there oh they would surface in family functions yeah now you know everyone, now, everyone now everybody knows. knows like oh shut your mouth before you masturbate again ah! oh my gosh that was private you were supposed to right yeah. and so i just felt angst everywhere well so no wonder you don't want to share oh my gosh yeah i just realized that t this is crazy oh my gosh i didn't even think about that yeah holy cow wow that's crazy yeah i just realized that that because the the people that i'm related because the people that were my spiritual leaders were also my family family i don't i never felt like i could really get out because i saw them at functions, family functions, yeah. church functions, they were my scout leaders. They were, holy yeah. cow, yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. I had it, no idea. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And then when you and when you're not able to share and talk about it, then therefore you have to you're suppressing these feelings, and therefore you think something's wrong with you. Yeah, you think you're different, so you can't connect, and then you think, well, my problems, no one would really understand anyway, so I'm not even going to bring them up. And so now you're left dealing with this on your own, and that's a scary place to be sometimes. Yeah, you know? and you know, for me, the 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 I think the man that was a big moment for me right there. Wow. That was a big reveal because now it's actually helped me connect uh, the this thing that happened during the pandemic. So so I took a sabbatical from work uh, okay. because I was feeling anxious. And everybody was feeling anxious. Everybody could feel it. But but I felt it more so because I was, for years, I had been putting on this happy-go-lucky, you know, funny ha-ha-ha face, the good energy, the good juju. I was saving it all for the show. And I was doing it even more so during the pandemic because I had nobody to talk to. So I would go home and I'd have to quarantine. Because yeah. I was still out in the public, yeah. So I had to, in, in the garage. I had a different set of clothes. I had wipes, and I had this whole routine: come <laughs> home, wipe down. I was doing that for months. Wow. I want to say almost a year. Man, I was doing that because 
we didn't know what we didn't know what it was. Yeah, we didn't know what was gonna happen. I, I sure. knew it, I mean I was I was stuck out in the field. It happened March eleventh, twenty twenty twenty. Right? Twenty twenty. March March eleventh. I really remembered it because that was the same day that I was waiting to hear the announcement on the Utah Jazz, and that was when Rudy Gobert, that whole thing with Rudy Gobert happened, yeah. and I was I was out in the field uh working at the time I was working for Fox thirteen. I, I, I was a feature reporter. And it was just like somebody had just punched the entire world in the gut. Right. I remember. That's it was it like, like yeah. what? Mm-hmm. Wait, this thing that everybody thought was going to go away because it was like a, a flu? Wait, what? It's now a pandemic? So I I went back and, I, I and you know, everybody was going out to Zoom. They were telling everybody, go to Zoom. Mm-hmm. I, I thought about what my job was. Comic relief, a breath of fresh air from the hard news. Yeah, right. Dude, you need me more than ever. Don't send me home. Absolutely. This is yeah. where this is where you could use me. We don't know what's going on. There's no way we're going to cover this virus 24/7. You're going to need a break. Absolutely. People are still going to need to eat. People are still going to need to to find a way to uh, escape. So so we agreed that I should stay out in the field. Everybody went out. The next week, I'm so sorry. It's under the pillow. Everybody wants a slice of no, big no, boot. It's a new phone. Oh, is it? Uh, because my old phone, I had that <laughs> number for 20-something years, so I have a new phone, new number. So people are calling me thinking I'm somebody else. I'm, I'm oh. sorry. I, you know what? I'm going to turn this off. I apologize. No, you're good, I should have turned it off to start with. Okay, <laughs> not going to ring again. All right. So, so, so the next week, the earthquake hits. Yeah. Right? And in and, and Magna. So I'm, I'm somewhere else. Now, I'm the only live reporter out in the field. Now, now, those of you who don't understand, it, people may not realize that this is a big deal. It's a big deal because I'm a feature reporter. I don't do any hard news. Right. I don't do any fires. I don't do any travel. I just do the lifestyle, light heart. I'm the fluff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like Bruce Almighty, but I don't want to be the anchor. So if exactly. you've ever watched that movie, that's who I am. Yeah, I'm totally. Bruce Almighty, but I don't want to be an anchor. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing any of that stuff to Steve Carell. Yeah. I love my job. Okay, okay, T, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, I love, I that love show. my job. Yeah, okay. that's a great show. So that's what I do for a living. That's my job. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> excuse me. So, so you don't send that guy yeah. to a serious news story. But I was the only one out in the field. Oh, man. So, so you had to cover it. So I went out and I did it. And, and again, I, I was on the, I was the first one to do the six foot mic, mic stand. Uh, Mike pole, you know, I I I reel it into me, ask a question. So so tell me about your donuts, and then I reel it out to them so they can answer, <laughs> reel it back in. That's this. Wow. I it's the craziest thing. Yeah, I don't even know if people remember that. And then it went to okay, now it can be uh, instead of the long six foot, now it can be just the distance of your arm. But I had the long cone microphone. Then the riots happened. Remember the Black oh, Lives yeah. Matter? Yeah, Utah. Yes. We had riots. T, do you remember Riot? that? Oh yeah. So again. Man. Everybody, all the reporters were told go to the station, and you did all of your stories there. So everybody from Fox, we went there except me. I was because again, I'm the really yeah. I got to keep things going. So I was sent out. Again, it didn't hit me till later. All of these things building up, you know, uh, the pressure of being out in the field by yourself. All everybody else is home Zoom. I didn't think about it at the time. It wasn't till. Um, a year after the pandemic, after that, when yes. things started coming back, people started coming and getting close. It started to freak me out. Yeah, you're like, whoa! Like, whoa! I, I had a whole distance, year of this because yeah. remember, I was I nothing had changed for me except yeah. the fact that people were scarce. Yeah, and so I had to I had to do a lot of things on my own. This mask thing, I could I had to wear a mask. I I couldn't wear I, I don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Yeah. So I was kind of like a guinea pig. You know, being sent out. What are we allowed to do? What is the safe distance? And, and and during my commentary, I would point out, I would point out things that nobody that is right in front of us, but we're not yeah. thinking of it. For example, people would tell me, "Hey, how come we don't have a mask?" I said, "I have a mask on now, but did anybody tell the virus not to attack my eyes, or go in through my ear holes, or or go on my skin that's exposed?" I said, "This is oh, this is too much." Yeah. And people would start to push back at me, and I would just like, sure, you know, yeah. I said, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip out. I'm gonna do something or say something. 
I'm feeling anxious all the time. Mm. I said, I've been I've been quarantining myself. I said, you Man. know, in the garage doing this. It's intense. It's crazy. Yeah. And then when I'd go out, people would be, you know, it, it was it was almost like they didn't care. Like they didn't have a mask and, and I didn't care about that. But it was just like they would go out of their way to tell me, hey, in my face, why do you have to wear a mask? Or, <laughs> bro, I don't care if you're wearing a mask. I said, I don't want to wear a mask either, but I have to because my job tells me to do so. Right. And it was just, you know, that push yeah, where totally. I have to, I have to, I have to ride this line. Yep. And the public is telling me to do something else, and they just don't understand. I, I couldn't, you know, it's like, it's like doing a crazy skit on TV. Right. That could potentially be dangerous. You got to say, kids, don't try this at home. Yeah. Don't you know, do this at home. We're not. So, so again, I was, I was out in the field telling people, hey, it's okay to not to have masks and this and that. But the kids saw me. I'm wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, you know. So every everywhere it was like I was the poster child because I was the guy who was doing everything the same. Nothing, nothing had changed for me. The world had changed. Yeah. But but my job hadn't. So yeah. a lot of it was the same thing, you know, trying to put on this happy smile, you know. But deep down, I was I didn't know how to handle handle that stuff because I was yeah. I was still being isolated at home. So so after work. I'd go home. I couldn't talk to friends. I couldn't hang out because remember they were being quarantined. Yeah. So for a long time, I had nobody. So I did, I just had work and come home. I couldn't even be with my kids because I didn't want Man. them to get sick. Right. Because I'm still out in the public. So that that thing just weighed on me. I couldn't I couldn't have my family with me, Man. and and my love for them, like any any person, if you love your family, you're gonna do the thing that I didn't want to hug. I didn't want to be in the same room. Because I didn't know what this COVID thing was. I didn't know if it would kill people. You know, we, we were still new. We just didn't know anything about it. And that kind of put me in a, in a bad place. Yeah. You know. Wow. Well, so as, as things started to get a little back to normal, is this when you came up with this idea that you have on your, you know, we, we mentioned that the, the Beautiful Mind Foundation. Yeah. Talk about that and where that came about because I love what you're doing here because I think it came about because of your own struggle. Yeah, so so uh, before I took my sabbatical, um, I actually uh, uh, tried to commit suicide. Wow. Um, I did not know that. Sorry. No, no, it's 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 part of I the know. reason why we do this, and that's where the the nonprofit came from. Um, so, um, you know, my job as a feature reporter, I just I just felt this thing that I wasn't doing enough good. I wasn't reaching enough people. Here I am. In my own words, I'm talking to myself. I'm faking the funk. Ooh. I'm like really pump fake. You gonna pump fake these people? You gonna pump fake yourself? This is me having a conversation. How how do you go out every day, and you put on this face that you're happy and you're you know I I've been doing it for so long that uh, I could I could I could pretend like I'm happy. Yeah. You know I I could I could do it. It's okay. But I was coming home and I wasn't happy. I had nowhere to turn. I had no one to talk to. I mean, the phone, yes, the phone was there, but at that point, I didn't know who I could talk to that wouldn't laugh at me. That I just, I just felt, I just felt so alone. Yeah. And I just felt I wasn't doing any good. I, f I thought that my reports out in the field were not making a difference, mm. that nobody gave a care. It didn't, I was, I was acting like I was happy, but what was I doing? Was I making a difference? I wasn't making a difference. People didn't care about what I was doing. All they cared about was living. Yeah. I was I was I was hindering. I was a hindrance. I was causing people to have problems. I was taking away from the real problem, right? The real problem of uh being depressed, the real problem of um actually taking a stand, you know, talking. I I was putting a band-aid on it, which was, mm. hey, I'm at another donut shop. Ha, ha, ha. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. You know, and, and so I just I just got to a point where F it. What, there's nothing here for me. I'm not making a difference. Nobody will miss me, you know. So I drove out to, um, to Wendover thinking mm. I was going to go out there, you know, maybe uh, drink 
get into a fight and have somebody do it for me because <laughs> i wow. i knew i was chicken shit i didn't have part of me sorry about that i knew that i didn't have the balls to do it but but i you know i, I was scared sure, so yeah. i i borrowed a pistol uh 38 from my cousin um he didn't know what the pistol was for i told him i was mad i was going to use it for something uh so he gave me his 38 and i drove out uh all i could think about was uh I, I can do it here because on the side of the road because I'm in uh, uh, the, the work vehicle. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the Buddha mobile. It, it has my name on it, my face on it. It has the the workload. I mean, you can't miss it. It's a yeah. freaking eyesore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I ever went to a strip club in that thing, oh, people would would call people and tell on me. Oh, They're yeah. like, uh, your reporter is over here at a strip club. He's not doing a story. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. yeah. So I couldn't go anywhere in that thing and not notice. Yeah, yeah. So I figured that'd be a great way because as I'm contemplating, I'm thinking about, I don't want to do it this way because my, my wife and my kids are going to carry, they're going to have to carry me, lift me up off the rope. You know, I, these are the yeah. dumb things I was thinking about. Like if I, if I used a knife, I was thinking about, I didn't want my, my, my kids to find me in a mess. That I didn't want that last memory of them seeing me. Yeah. That be their last memory of yeah, me. Right. Even though this thing I'm going to do, they're going to remember. I, I, I totally knew that. But at least they wouldn't see me in a mess. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's kind of how I th how I thought of it. So I drove out and I figured I could do it here. I won't even do it in the truck. This is how, I didn't want anybody cleaning the truck. This is how I how dumb I was. How I thought about this thing. Yeah. So I parked <laughs> the car on the other side. It's a uh, um, it's right before you get to the gas. I'm not sure the gas station, but it was it, it's it's uh, a the sign that tells you to get off for like a expressway, like a, a racetrack. Mm -hmm. When you're heading to Wendover, yeah, it's that, yeah. So I just pull over to the side. Anybody's gonna see this. I'll be found. They'll clean up the mess. You know, done. Um, the gun jammed. Wow. Uh, I had this rush of emotion when it didn't go off. I threw the gun, and all I could feel was this thankfulness this that it didn't happen. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. I was bent. I was hell-bent on doing it. I was hell-bent on doing it. But at the moment that it didn't happen, I had this relief. I don't know. I knew it wasn't my time. I, I know people say this all the time. You know, it's, but it's your time. It's your time. And I knew in an instant that I had to do something. Yeah. To, there has to be some people out there yeah. who are going through the same things. And people who are have to put on this face. DJs. Uh, people who are on TV. First responders. Yes. Uh, 911 operator. I, I think, and again, I didn't think about any of this stuff. <laughs> before that happened and when it hit me i'm like there are a lot of way more messed up people than me who and people are doing important stuff who need help who need to know that if they saw me on tv laughing my ass off doing this thing that that guy is not good which means none of us are good yeah if my job is to make you feel good and feel happy and i'm supposed to look happy and i'm not bro none of us are yeah, right. and I'm supposed to, and that's my job. I'm supposed to do it every day. Yeah. So I knew that there was something wrong, and so I took a. That's when I took the sabbatical. On the sabbatical, um, my wife let me. You know, she said, "Hey, go find yourself, rediscover your passion. Yeah. Go to Hawaii, visit your brother, do do life affirming things." Yeah, sure. So I was doing. I was doing dangerous things safely. So I went to Hawaii. One of the things that we, we used to do when we were kids is you jump off the point. Yeah. And anybody who knows, if you're in Hawaii, you grow up in Hawaii, they teach you any beach. It doesn't matter. It's You, you, you have to respect the beach. You got to respect yeah. the banda. You get to a beach, especially if it's a beach you've never been before, and you have to watch the waves, and that tells you how to swim. Uh, in Laie, at the point, if you jump off the point and you try to swim right back, the riptide will pull you out. And you, everybody knows you never swim straight back. You got to swim parallel. 
and eventually mm-hmm. come. You'll get tired. You'll drown. So, so it's the same thing. You have to know. So I've been, yeah. I've been jumping out, and I forgot. Oh, I boy. forgot. I'm like, you know, thinking about, I'm old. Dad, that's probably. Oh, brought a current. <laughs> wow. Boy, Mother Nature is stronger sure. than oh, yeah. pull you down, and it's that moment like, oh shoot, I'm doing this wrong, right? I got to do this right. It just for me another lesson, right? Part of me is another lesson. You know, when you have a path and and you know the outcome, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Why yeah, why you got to reinvent yeah. the wheel when you already know? Yeah. Right. So. This thing, like the therapy, and I told you this before, that talking to someone, I had no idea, had these amazing, amazing, fantastic uh, uh, outputs, Yeah. right? And you just got to do it. It's been people before me have been doing it. It's, it's nothing yeah. new. Someone has been doing therapy, and they have stories. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a human psyche thing or a Pacific Islander thing where I think I'm strong or, or mm-hmm. I think I know how to do it. Yeah. They're, these therapists, they are trained to really help you yeah. to, to understand what, what you're looking at, right? So that's that's why I started the nonprofit. Gotcha. It's okay. because wow. I, I, I felt like in this world, especially with the TikTok, social media, mm-hmm. we're all trying to put out this happy facade. Yeah. But deep down, there's got to be there's got to be people messed up like me. And I don't mean that. I don't mean that facetiously. You're struggling. Struggling. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? Maybe if I had a friendly voice to talk to. So so my job, we didn't have any peer counseling. Um, and I know a lot of jobs don't do that. And I don't know why. But but to me, in, in, in that instance, I thought maybe if somebody who was doing my job and my profession in, in my industry, a friend of mine, I don't have to know that they're a peer counselor right away, but maybe they send me a secret list. Hey, here are our, do not share this. These are our right. peer counselors. Yeah, exactly. So again, that stigma of, of everybody knowing your business or whatnot, yeah. maybe it would have prevented me from even thinking about going out there, right? I don't know where, where, where the disconnect happened, where it took me from thought, from when is it going to happen to uh, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen to it's going to it's going to happen? Yeah. You know, are you thinking about it or are you thinking about doing it? Because yeah. there's two different things. Two different things. Yeah. I couldn't remember where it happened, and I just had this breakdown, and I and I I feel sad for people who get there because I remember driving out, I didn't have one thought, I didn't have one thought of hope that I could pull out yeah. of this. I was going, I was yeah. going. Not once. I mean, I, I just, that was the thing in my mind. I'm driving. You know, you, you just see your lights yeah. by yourself. Uh, and once you're once you're there, there's no turning back, right? But, again, even even driving there, if, if, if I had thought about crisis hotline, I didn't think about anything. I didn't think about a person that I could talk to. But, and I've also, I have often heard horror stories about people looking for help and then they have to qualify themselves. How sad are you? I mean, where, what what ledge, what brought you to this ledge? I mean, who's, I, I don't know if that's true. You know, I, right. maybe I didn't do my due diligence, but I, I heard that and I ran with it. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want that to happen to anybody. And the thing is, we are focused so much on the person who is suicidal, who's having those thoughts, right? We forget about the people that are in the aftermath. Yeah. The, the people that are left behind and I didn't think about that until the moment the gun didn't work Jeez. about how I was going to leave all these people behind yeah. and remember I was talking about thinking about how to do it and not not uh, accost my family I didn't want them to find me a certain way I didn't want them to find a mess of blood because I was worried about all of that Yeah, and, and so oh, when man. it didn't happen I was thinking to myself there has to be a better way at least get the help So so my thought was in this nonprofit organization, we're, we're building this technology. It's an app. It's a one tap away. And everybody has a different level of comfort, whether it's voice to voice, phone call, whether it's mm-hmm. text message, you know, where you can still talk, yeah, or, is right. it, or is it uh, FaceTime, video chat. So the app, I want uh, the app that we're designing or we're, we're helping a lot of smart people working on it, it'll be kind of like an Uber for therapists, oh, an wow. Uber for licensed counselors. Um, where they have to register, and I'm I'm feeling anxious. Whatever I press the app, a call goes out. Who's available to talk, right? And it's just oh, a friendly okay. voice. They 
are the experts. They can determine. They can pull out all that information and then write it down and get yeah. you to well, the actual help. So where you, where you at? Are you in, oh you're in California? They know how to. They don't have to ask the. So you're feeling anxious right now, but where you live in, you know, it's they know how to do that. Yes. The problem is, I don't want to ask them to do it for free. So, my foundation, we want to raise funds to pay for that to help pay because for that. they have families too. We don't want to cause another problem where they feel anxious. Exactly. So, so I don't want to take away from. I I don't want this to be a problem for the insurance. It's just a crisis hotline to get them that we're not going to take away I w- and I want it yeah. to be free so maybe 30 minutes I, I don't know we have to figure it out we have to get help but it'll be for everybody in the world who feels and again it's expensive oh I, I, I'm i doing the math it's super expensive the infrastructure is not there but as I'm talking to therapists and people clinical counselors there's nothing like it yeah. but they all tell me man that would be amazing yeah so, so again, why not? Let's let's make this a like a nine one one world fund. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. Well, no, I agree. I mean, just to have a, an app knowing that I could have insta instant help in the moment I'm really struggling, and and get directed to the exact person I need to talk to then and there. That's huge. Yeah. yeah so I'm with you. I think that I think it's fantastic, and I'm so grateful. Yeah. And, and, and you're willing to put this together. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, and and you know what I want to say is that's yeah. that's why I, I came here too is, is yeah. one because you're doing it, and, and we need to come together. I, maybe we've all had this idea and nobody's put it out there. Yeah. I, I want to put it out. This is a this is a world. This is a human app. Yeah. But somebody has to start it somewhere, and I don't know if I was the first. I, I'm not saying that I am the first. I'm just saying I I I could have used it. I really could have if I knew. It's a stranger who's going to talk to me. Maybe that drive on the way As there. You're talking would have brought you. Back. Yeah, yeah. And, totally. and 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 I don't, you know, I don't know if if we could even do uh, triangulation because mm-hmm. we're trying to. I'm talking about saving lives. Yeah. But again, there's people out there who are smarter than me. I'm asking you to please help me, help me get this to fruition because I would love for my brother if yeah. he's yeah. in a space or or your brother or somebody's mom or somebody's aunt and say. You know what? I was feeling anxious. All I needed was a friendly voice. That's all I needed. That's it. There are crisis hotlines out there. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm saying is that maybe we need to fix and, and the process on how to get help how because to there's it. too many qualifiers. Yeah. And for me, that's what scared me away from calling. Wait, is your is your problem a first responder problem? Okay, then you got to go here. <laughs> is your problem deal with family? Okay, not family. Then then you got to go over here. There was two. Yeah. I, I didn't. I I, I wanted one place. Yeah. It doesn't matter what kind of anxiety. It doesn't matter what kind of depression. We'll find it. Yeah. We just got to get you to the. To, because, in my mind, you guys are the you men and women are the ones who know the space, regardless if it's specialized or not. You know how to talk to somebody who's anxious, who's at their ledge, and I don't want you to have to do it for free. You've put yeah. your training. You've went to study with some of the best uh, teachers and instructors out there. You, you shouldn't have. To, we shouldn't have to create another situation where it causes you stress. Exactly. You know, and there's enough that. of us. So, and my philosophy was, you know, when I talked to you about the cancer theme, yeah, right? right? We have companies who are pouring billions of dollars into a disease that has no cure in sight. Why can't we do the same thing for disease that has no cure in sight that is not as sexy? Right, mental health and suicide. Yeah. I know cancer is the sexy disease because when you have that disease, you're a martyr. You know, mm-hmm. everything else doesn't shine. Everything doesn't yeah. step up to cancer. All I'm asking are companies out there, if you're willing to throw money at a disease that doesn't have a cure in sight, I'm just asking you to split that donation yeah, and put it out. into another yeah. disease. That doesn't have a cure in sight, yeah. but who could use a lot of help. That, that's so, all. That's all I'm trying no, to do. No, I love that, and I love what you're doing there. Um, how? So, tell people right now who are listening. How would they help? What? Where would they go? What's the website? And kind of explain that. Yeah. So, beautiful mind, uh, beautiful mind foundation dot live. Uh, we we did it that way, you know. Uh, pun intended. I like that. Yeah, I love right. That. Everything life of Furby, and. Uh, on there uh right now we're trying to raise funds and awareness so we're trying to do a lot of life affirming because it is an expensive application and uh to keep the funds going it will be expensive again that's why i'm trying to use the cancer model 
Because people would say, oh, that's a lot of money. I know, but you don't seem to have problem putting it in here and there's no cure. That's all I'm trying to make you understand yes. is that when somebody says to me, oh, we don't have money for something like that. Say, no, no, you do. You're throwing, you're throwing billions of dollars to cancer. There's no cure in sight. Uh, we can alleviate the pain. We can help you with, with symptoms. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm trying to do for this thing. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. So, so when people say, ah, I don't want to put money into something that you're already doing it. <laughs> yeah, already That's doing. all I'm trying to make, yeah. make aware of. Um, I had a friend. I'm not going to say his name, but he's a wealthy guy. Uh, I had a golf tournament, uh, and it's for anti-suicide mental health. Okay. I say to my buddy, hey, uh, can, you, can you get a foursome in for this thing that we're doing? He says, uh, I don't play golf. I said, come on, bro. You missed the point. None of us play golf. This is not for golf. Yeah, it's this, for You have to see what raise. we're doing. You got to yeah. see the forest through the trees, bro. That's, Absolutely. So, again, and I think it's because it has that stigma, right? It's, it's, if I had said, hey, we're playing golf for cancer, you know what? I don't play golf, yeah. but I'll donate the cancer. They'd be all that's over. that's yeah. all I'm trying to do. So if you can go there, um, I, I MC and I host on the side as a, as a sidekick. But what I've been doing is uh, people who have company parties, what I'll tell them is, look, I'll come and I'll donate my services if you donate to my to, to the nonprofit. Oh, I love that's that. how I do it. So instead okay. of taking a talent fee, just donate to the nonprofit, and technically, I'll come and do it for free. Gotcha. You know, it's a tax write-off. It's it's all that. that. So great. just try to do what I can to help yeah, out. Yeah, and and we'll put all that in the show notes and stuff so people yeah. can get to you and all that. Um, probably, you know, I, my last question to you, Big Buddha, and again, this has been fantastic. Like I love what you're 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 amazing, and thanks for your vulnerability today. <laughs> Seriously, like that's amazing. You're too kind, T. Um, if someone's listening to your voice right now who's struggling. They're in a dark place, kind of like where you were when you were driving out there. What would you tell that one person right now? For for me, ultimately, it was about. Uh, it 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 can be a selfish thing. I I know people talk about this all the time, but we don't really know what that person is going through, the mm -hmm. demons and the darkness yeah. they're going through. So what I would say, if you're sitting. If you're standing at your ledge and you don't feel like there's anywhere else to go, really try to focus on your loved ones, about them. I, I know it's crazy because we're doing this thing for us because we can't handle it. We're stressed out. We feel like we don't have any answers. We feel like there's mm -hmm. nowhere else to go. Yeah. But when I thought about my that I'm causing harm to someone else, that's that's where... Yeah. It really hurt me. Yeah. You know, kind of like those movies you see. You know, oh, you can yeah. shoot me all day long. Go ahead, shoot me. You're not going to get the secret. And then when they hold your family hostage, well, what about this? That's the feeling. Yeah. I can't okay. handle that. Yeah. I, I cannot. I, I can't. So I thought of that. That's the thing that even to this day, it hasn't gone away. It's not a matter of when am I going to. That, that, that doesn't happen anymore. But there are still thoughts in my head that I'm not good enough the world, I don't know if that's ever going to go away, but I have enough people behind me. I have therapists now who are helping me keep that at, yeah. at, at bay. Yeah. But that one thought, if you're, if you're on the edge, remember, you're going to be hurting others, people you love. And that's the thing. I don't want to hurt anybody else. Hurting yeah. me, I didn't have a problem with that. Yeah. That's, that's what I didn't have a problem with. But when I thought of hurting myself is going to actually be hurting my mom, hurting my siblings that then it real then it, then it helped me change and it realized that that's how deep this thing is yeah. so think about that if you're look if you're looking to hurt yourself you're not really hurting yourself you're hurting others yeah and what's that thought sunk into me that i'm going to be hurting someone else it made it easier is the thought still there it, it, it's still there but this thing of me hurting others i don't want to do that yeah. So therapy, a uh, life affirming activities, keeping myself busy. That's the nonprofit is keeping me busy. I, I don't want anybody to have suffer through what I went through. Yeah. So if you go to the website, if you can donate or if there's anything I can do to come and help out, uh, come yeah. and speak to a company or do that again, I'm just trying to raise money. It's expensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, we'll get to that beautifully said. I will add to what you said to that person who's struggling, who may be on the ledge. We need you. The world needs you. We won't be better without you. I know it may be dark, but we're here for you. If someone wants to reach out to you and ask you a question or just 
get some advice from you. Yeah, I'll what's give you other information. We'll, yeah, what's, we'll the put best, a, what's the best way for uh, them to do that? Email B underscore Buddha at yahoo.com. And one other thing, those of us who are not, who, if, if your mental health is great, awesome. But those of us who are going through it, one thing that I, I realize, we don't like it when you ask us, are, are, are you almost cured? You know, they, they, the status report. Hey, yeah. how, how you doing? You yeah. done yet? Yeah. Is, is your is your head all right? That stuff really, yeah. I mean, I have learned to, 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 to kind of navigate, but but it does. It still, it yeah. picks at you. Sure. You just never know what someone is going through. Never know. Yeah. Thank you for all the love and support. Oh, Everybody yeah. who's who, on social media, they have been sending nothing but kind words. And th- that's why my, my TikTok video, I'm just doing funny things because yeah. that I've realized yeah. is a coping mechanism for me. Being yeah. fun and having yeah. having fun and being funny. Yeah. So, well, you really are, and you're you're a great soul. You're a bright light that shines, uh, and we all love you here. Honestly, you've been like you said, you've been in the landscape of Utah for over 20 years. You've done amazing things. You've brought a lot of joy to a lot of people, and we do need you too, Big Buddha. On at the end of the day, we really do. And I'm so glad that the gun jammed, and that you're here. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You're doing good work, bro. Uh, please Thank follow you. my man. Uh, I'm going to post a, <laughs> a shout out. We're going to take a picture, but please follow my man. Yeah. He is doing good. We need people like my yeah. man, Todd Inspires, man. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Belief cast. Right. Belief cast. You you inspired me, brother. Thank you so much that means a lot. for having me. Thank you. you. There you go. Big Buddha, folks, man. He is uh, He's an amazing individual, and his vulnerability today has truly inspired me. And hopefully it's inspired you. I'm sure that it has. If you have a family member or a a friend or a cousin or a nephew, it doesn't matter, that's struggling, after you listen to this episode, share this episode with them because they'll need to hear what Big Buddha had to say. And please reach out to him. Like I said, it'll be in the show notes. And I can't thank you guys enough for following me. It means the world. And we're doing a lot of good here and yeah. uh, because of you guys and Big Buddha. Let's be ladders. No more bridges. Let's, let's stop, stop being bridges because people are jumping off bridges. Uh, but let's be ladders. Yeah, let's help, our, help our brothers and sisters climb down. Ooh, that's a good way to say that. <laughs> I love that. There you go. Um, Till next time, everyone. Take care. <laughs>